Hi everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Money Mend podcast, which is designed to talk about all things finance and wealth related. Please remember, this is general advice only and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Seek professional advice which takes your individual circumstances into account before implementing any ideas or strategies mentioned in this podcast. Anyway, enough of the legal stuff. Here comes Steve and Luke. Hello and welcome to the second Money Men podcast. I'm Steve and with me is uh, my colleague Luke. Hi everyone, how are we? Good to be back, isn't it, Luke? Uh, This is our our second one. Um, There was great response to the first. Um, There's uh, quite... uh, Quite a lot of listens and yep. a lot of feedback came back to us, which is what you want. It was it was it was good to get it done, get, yeah, get the first one good. off. That was yep. uh, that was a goal very early on this year was to yep. you know get get it going so we can get some um, you know information out into into the in the public space. Um, For sure. A uh, couple of bits of feedback were that um, probably a little bit too long the first one, mm-hmm. um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll try to shorten that down a bit um, and um, and go from there. Remembering too, this is general advice only. Um, do not use uh, any of these uh, topics or ideas uh, to go ahead and put mm. you know, advice in place for yourself personally, yep. um, unless you get professional advice. Absolutely, mm. yeah. So I think that's a really, really, really important point there, Steve. Um, we don't know everyone. We don't know all the fans personally, um, although some of the fans might actually be clients of ours, but obviously we can't apply their position to, yeah, without, to some of the questions. Without knowing the, yeah. the personal circumstances of anyone, we can't tell them you know, what's right or wrong. For them, we'll be talking about lots of different concepts and they're not right for everyone. Yep. Um, they're right for, for some. So yeah, um, be warned. Um, get professional, uh, personalised advice before yep. acting on anything. Today, Good advice, we, Steve. Thank you, Luke. Uh, <laughs> today, we're going to be working through a number of topics. First of all, we'll look at our tip of the week. Um, then we'll have a bit of a chat about Novated Leases. Novated yep. Leases have come across uh, my desk a little bit lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are uh, struggling to sort of understand how they work. And yeah, I'm keen to, but, keen to talk about that. I, I actually haven't seen one more recently, but mm-hmm. it'd be good to flesh that out and have a chat about that. Yeah, talk about the pros and cons yep. and, and how they work. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, salary sacrificing, mm-hmm. uh, salary sacrificing into super. Yes. Um, everyone's heard of that, uh, but I thought that we might just explain a little how it might work and, and how it could uh, perhaps benefit um, someone over the long term. For sure. Then we've got a few questions to answer this week uh, or this fortnight. Um, and we, so we'll have, I think, three questions that we've got to answer that yep. before we, uh, we finish off. So, yep. um, so there you go. That's what we're going to be doing today. Bit to cover and mm-hmm. hopefully... We'll, we'll knock it over a bit quicker than the 55 minutes sure. that we took in the first For sure. One. Well, we've got to get tip, stuck in. Tip of the week. Um, I came up with this one, mm-hmm. uh, the Money Mart, the Money Smart website. So You're w- about w- to say the Money Man money, website. <laughs> the Money Smart website. Um, we're smart. The Money Smart website is also smart. www.moneysmart.gov.au. And that's yep. gov, G-O-V for government. Yep. Uh, www.moneysmart.gov.au and I thought I'd bring that up as a tip of the week because mm-hmm. it's got a heap of uh, great information um, you know on the site have you yeah. had a look at it I certainly have and mm-hmm. and and it's good quality free information yeah, yeah. and uh, you know I use it a lot to demonstrate um, various um, 
things uh, to yeah. to clients and, and other people and myself. And you know, it's a go-to for me yeah, for some of the stuff resource. that I come across a lot. Um, it's you know, quite accurate and uh, quite unbiased, and that's what you want in a general information source. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are the, some some of the resources that you've come across in it, Luke? Uh, more recently? Oh, any time, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I actually, f- funny you say that, I actually use their their Facebook resource. So it's ASIC's Money Smart Facebook resource as opposed to necessarily going straight through to the site. And they will often have really good tips on, you know, how to manage money, uh, what to look for when choosing a super fund. The, although they may appear basic to yourself and me, they're really important pieces that you know the general population general public can go and hold on to and have have a look through so maybe maybe one of the key ones that i've actually looked at on the website um is around life disability income protection insurances Mm -hmm. they have some really good sources in there on first and foremost how to how to how to assist with formulating how much you might need Mm -hmm. um and and basically working backwards from there so that's a that's a really good uh, um area I've come across on the website but as I said I'm I'm you know looking looking scrolling through Facebook and using their Facebook resource as well yeah um, yeah um, I, f- I find it's great it, it covers people at all stages of life so there, yeah. there's information there for school kids um, and parents of school I, d- kids. I didn't know I didn't actually um, know that right through the different stages of life to you know to retirement and, and on um, so you know there's tips on you know how to buy your first car and there's tips mm. on how to you know, work out credit cards and there's tips on how to set up retirement structures and there's yep. tips on aged care and all those sorts of things. So it's it's really good. Um, and I suggest that if you don't have that in your favourites on your web browser, <laughs> then uh, put it in. So www.moneysmart.gov.au yeah. and uh, have a look, play around with some of the calculators. There's superannuation calculators, home loan calculators, yeah. investment calculators. Uh, it's a that's a good little way to, to spend some time when you're starting to research something in particular. Yeah, no, that's a good good one. So yeah, so that's uh, you know obviously uh, that's provided and uh, and funded by the government, mm-hmm. um, and that is you know I find it really really you know quite accurate and unbiased, yep. which is good, which is what you want. Perfect, perfect. Okay, I think uh, we knocked that over pretty quickly, so we're going well for time, Lukey. Um, novated leases. Um, you're putting me, you're going to put me on the spot here, aren't you? Oh, I always like to put you on the spot. That's that's what you know we're here for to be put on the spot. Yeah. Um, how? What is a novated lease? Well, no, a novated lease is co- commonly it's typically a lease agreement over a vehicle. Um, that that is that is effectively what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the ba- basics of it. I, I guess an evaded lease is where your employer actually. Um, pays the payments on your behalf and is contracting to do that. From your salary. Yep. Yep. And generally speaking, it's packaged up so that all the running costs of the vehicle are also covered in the payment that is made. So you see on your pay slip, uh, one fortnightly or monthly or however often it's done, uh, one or a couple of deductions from your pay, um, which go towards paying the lease and all the running costs of the vehicle. Mm. Um, so who can do it? Well, anyone, my understanding is anyone who has an arrangement with a novated leasing company, so any employer. Yeah, pretty much. So any any 
employer could potentially do yep. it. Um, not all gen- of them are. No, not all, not all no. are. But uh, the ma- you know you mainly see it in government departments yep. and um, and you know uh, health organisations yep. and uh, and those types of larger businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are providers there that would allow small business owners to you know, provide innovative leasing packages for their employees. Yep. Um, so it can, can be done. Any employer can just about do it, um, but not all do, obviously. And it's typically, mm. and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but it's typically targeted as an employee benefit to, yeah. to, to offer that type of service. It is, yeah. Um, it is typically um, seen to be that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and one of the things I want to talk about with Novated Leases is, is it always an employee benefit or not? And uh, yeah. I think there are a number of things that need to be considered. It's quite complex. Uh, mm-hmm. Those those of our audience who, who have a Novated Lease or have explored it will probably find that there were lots of numbers floating around mm-hmm. and a Novated Lease provider would be saying things like you don't have to pay GST on the car yep. so you save there and uh, you're going to save money on all sorts of things yep. and you're going to save tax and um, it's common that people think that they're getting a free vehicle because of all the all the tax benefits, all the tax benefits. sold on the tax breaks yeah so there are some tax breaks yep. um, it's definitely not all tax deductible no. uh, in most cases and it's important to understand uh, the overall benefit mm-hmm. of, of a holding the lease and uh, and be having um, some of the costs of running the vehicle deducted before tax. Yeah. Now every situation is different. Every car costs a different amount of money, yep. and uh, there are different lease terms and things. So we won't go down and drill down into that. Yeah. You know, one of my points around novated leases is you're still going to have to pay money to have the car that you have under lease to operate the yeah, car. Yeah. Yep. So if you don't need another car then it's a little bit silly, since you probably shouldn't use the word silly, mm. but uh, perhaps you shouldn't be taking out a novated lease if you don't need another car. Yeah. Right? That's, a, a, that's a, the simple premise that, that, that's, a, that's just good. That's just good financial management. Mm. It, it's and, and taking out the lease may appear attractive because of some of the tax breaks and some of the taxation benefits that do exist, but purely obtaining the lease and purchasing a new car probably doesn't make the most financial sense if you don't need a new yeah. car. The key thing to understand is when you take out an elevated lease, you're purchasing, purchasing a vehicle and you're taking on a new debt. Yep. And that debt costs money. Whether you get some tax breaks or not, it's What do you mean? Costs, so I've got to pay interest on that You've got to pay interest lease. on it. You do. Um, and... It's not always explained by the novated lease provider mm-hmm. just how much it's really going to cost you. And yeah. It's not a very highly regulated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, some of the things I've seen are that the interest rate that they charge, which they don't have to disclose um, to the employee. Yep. Um, so they don't have to Directly disclose Directly to the employee. They, they don't, don't need to, to tell, disclose they don't have that. to tell the employee what the interest rate so, is. So like when you and I go into the bank and mm. get a personal loan, credit card or home loan, and they have to disclose to me what my mortgage interest rate is or Absolutely. what my credit card interest rate is or yeah, what my person. personal loan interest rate Absolutely. is. Well, it's not required um, with, with an evaded lease. Um, they're required to tell you what the repayments will be, mm-hmm. um, but they're not required to tell you what the interest rate is. Well, that might cause me some issues if I'm really trying to work out what my budget is. Well, what it, what it will potentially cause issues with, you know, including that, is um, you could be paying a higher interest rate than you could get elsewhere. So what what if, and I've seen it, yeah. I've seen where... 
um, a business uh, had contracted an Novated Lease uh, company. Yep. An Novated Lease company was charging 12% interest on the lease. But it's pre-tax, Steve. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but you're probably going to be better off paying 6% yep. um, and not have the Novated Lease yep. have been paid 12%. Yep. Um, but you, but the but the key there is, is that it, you you may see the the total cost of operating the lease, but you actually don't see that interest rate, and, and you, you, and you, you can't make an informed decision. You can't, and you generally don't have the ability to bargain or, or seek a lower rate yeah, okay. uh, either with the, with well, those arrangements. How would you be able to bargain if you can't even see the rate? That's it. That's it. And it's sold around this, um, you know, tax the tax break mm. issue. Um, now the other thing that's important to understand is that uh, generally speaking the provider of the lease uh, will be taking some form of commission or fee um, to which, be setting up the lease. Which is okay. fair, yeah. they're, they're, not, they're, not, in, yeah, they're not in there to do it for free. Yeah, people don't do things for, for nothing no. generally these days, especially providers of, um, of finance. But um, how much is it? And yep. then again, it's rarely disclosed, uh, but generally speaking, um, the fee that is added on to the purchase price of the vehicle when mm-hmm. then financed is you know, around or up to 4% of the value of the vehicle. Yep, yeah. okay. So if it's a $50,000 vehicle, then there's $2,000 yep. that's uh, extra that's being financed yep. um, that uh, that comes into your lease payments. Yep. Um, now, you know, that may or may not be appropriate. Um, you know, a couple of thousand dollars to set up a lease and, get, and do all the paperwork and all that sort of stuff probably isn't that bad. Well, yeah, I mean... But yeah. if it's more than that, um, you know, you, you probably have the right to know. And, that, and that's a question, you know, there are two key questions that you should ask your Novated Lease Provider. Is, what is the interest what rate? What is the interest yep. rate? Um, not what my repayments are, but what yep. is the actual interest yep. rate being yep. applied to that lease? Yep. And what are the costs involved? To be paid to set up the lease. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how much extra is being financed yep. um, as a result of you taking out an abated lease? Yep. Um, then you know there are some other other fees. Yeah. The, the other important thing is to consider is there are always lots of add-on insurances mm-hmm. um, that are recommended mm. and built in. Yep. You don't have to take those add-on insurances. You can pull them out, and generally they're high commission-paying insurances. Correct. And some of them perhaps have limited value. It's actually interesting on that on that point. More recently, the regulator um, has been coming down on some of those add-on insurances that are being sold on novated leases, and it's actually the same regulator that publishes the Money Smart website that Steve referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's just important to be aware that they still exist. The, the, I think these insurances are still being being sold. And they are being referred to as low-value insurances out there in the media and by the regulator. So it's just important to make sure you're doing your research and just making sure you're getting value for money. So as Steve said, there's no issue with someone getting paid to put the lease together, do the do the hard yakka, do the work for you, but it's good to make sure that you get clarity around some of those more ambiguous um, and That's yeah, a message areas. that we're trying to, to get out every time we do a podcast yep. is... Do your homework, um, get information, um, seek advice from someone so that you understand yep. um, because it may be for you, mm-hmm. it may not be for you depending yep. on your own circumstance. Um, Actually, just a point on, uh, and you probably know a bit better than me, Steve, um, one thing that's always made me hesitant around leases, and it's not been the interest rate or 
or, or anything like that. It's actually been the portability of the lease if I'm to change an employer. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, what, so what, am I then left with, uh, you know, well, what? Well, potentially. So your new employer may be able to take over mm-hmm. the lease payments yep. and, and continue with um, the, the, the arrangement. arrangement. Yep. Well, they may not be, and if they're not able to, then you, as the holder of the lease, or the, owner, the, the holder of the vehicle, are required to still meet the lease repayments yeah. and all of the costs of running the vehicle. So, so I could be in a significantly worse off position. Yeah, maybe significantly, maybe not, but you would be in a different position in that you, yeah. you have to pay the lease payments yeah. and you have to pay the, the running costs of the vehicle. So, so could it be, and, and you know, this might be a bit tongue-in-cheek, but being locked into a lease in inverted commas is that potentially non-productive for someone who's looking to potentially leave an employer as well could well be that could be one of the things that you need to consider before you take the lease absolutely um so yeah there's a lot a lot of things to consider you know we could you know we could talk for half an hour or an hour on this but we won't um because that will go against our our feedback yes Um, but the key is do your homework. They can mm-hmm. be useful. One of the, one of the cons, uh, one of the pros to it is that all of your running costs of your vehicle are you know, wrapped into into your pay. Yeah, just come come out in, in one deduction. And that's good for some people. Yep. Um, and then there are some cons around you know, making sure that you, you're budgeting for your fuel ride and things like that. Otherwise, you'll have to continually adjust your package and the amount the employer takes out to cover those yep. things. Yep. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, key, do your homework. Understand that there are things that um, don't need to be disclosed that you should make yourself aware of. Yep. Interest rates, costs. And, and uh, ask those questions. Ask those hard questions you're entitled to. Absolutely. Um, you're the one taking out the finance. Yeah. And um, when in doubt, um, get some advice. Yeah. Great. We'll take a quick break now to That's hear from our sponsor and we'll be back in a sec. Sounds good. At Steve May Financial Services, we know how daunting the idea of seeing a financial planner can be. Bearing your financial soul to a person you don't even know doesn't sound like fun, does it? That's why we believe in being approachable and being ourselves. Our mission is to provide uncomplicated, affordable and personalised financial advice to those who normally wouldn't get it. Contact us for a friendly, no-pressure consultation to get your financial stuff sorted. Steve May Financial Services www.stevemayfs.com.au Welcome back everyone, you're with Steve and Luke, the Money Men. Hey, how are you? Uh, welcome to the second part of our show this week. Um, the next uh, item on our agenda we're going to talk about is um, salary sacrifice mm-hmm. in, in the super and a lot of people will have heard of salary sacrifice. Um, some people will be doing it. Um, others wouldn't. Some would understand it. Others wouldn't. Yep. Um, some who are doing it may understand it, um, and some don't. Um, but, but it's not yeah. as clear cut as as it's, you no, would otherwise think. Sometimes no, it isn't. And we um, discovered that this morning, didn't yeah, we, Steve? We did. How, do, how does it work? In effect, um, it is a deduction from your pre-tax salary into superannuation. 
Yep. So so you don't pay tax on yep. you personally don't yep. pay tax on the amount that you salary sacrifice into the and super. Ra- and rather than taking it as pay, you're sacrificing it to superannuation. Hence the sacrifice. Yeah. Salary sacrifice is a good name for it yeah. because you're sacrificing some of your salary. Mm. Um, how about that? Um, so so basically, you you don't take that. Um, portion of your pay yep. um, at all um, it gets sacrificed and put into superannuation which means that you you personally don't pay tax on the amount that you put in yep. into the super fund by salary sacrifice so that's pretty good isn't it yeah, i guess so, well so. i guess we will have an example shortly yeah, to show we will. How, we will. how that might work yeah. um the, the, as with any strategy there are pros and cons um, with, uh, with you know, with it. So, what are some of the positives? Uh, the, some of the benefits of salary sacrificing. Some of the benefits, I'd say straight away, Steve, is the is the forced savings. Um, you are actually not having to think about that deduction. It's instructed by you to your employer, in most instances, and it's been automatically deducted and paid to your superannuation. What's the second benefit? Well, it's pre-tax, so you're getting this. You you, you are getting this tax break or this taxation benefit. So that's really good as well. Hmm. Um, there's a few cons. Yeah, there, well, there are cons with any yeah. investment, and you need to understand what they are. I yeah. guess you know one of the the major ones that I see, especially for younger people, is that yeah, once that money goes into the super fund, accessibility. Well, you can't get it back out again yep. until you retire. Basically, there are other yeah. there are other ways to get money out of super, you know, hardship and that sort of thing, but. You know, pretty much until you're ready to retire, you can't get that money back out again. Yeah. And if you're 20 years old, that's you know, a long 40, time. Odd, 40 odd years you have to yeah. wait. You know, so that's yeah. that's perhaps one of the downsides. It's a sort of lack of uh, personal liquidity yeah. uh, and and whatever. And and the other is the of course that that I think of is mm. that you know people if they're going to be investing in the super need to be. Um, Understanding what they're investing in, and yep. they, they need to and take some time. In the dark. Yeah, and, and need to take some time to understand how to invest that money that is going in for their long-term yeah. benefit. Yeah, if you're if you're sacrificing that dollar and taking it out of your take-home pay, you want to make sure it's working right. Yeah, absolutely. working for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, as with any investment uh, or strategy, there are positives and there are negatives. Um, only you, with the right research and uh, knowledge and uh, support, um, can work out whether it is actually right. But yep. let, let's um, look at an example. We we spoke in our first podcast about you know the benefit of investing ten percent of your ten, salary, yeah, and, 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 salary, and let's just say your take home salary or your take home pay is a thousand dollars a week, and you were going to invest ten percent of that. Yep. Um, I know that you ran some numbers on this yeah, earlier we and we're having, we're having a chat about it. And um, yeah, do you want to run through yeah, those no, quickly? Absolutely, Steve. So what we wanted to show is if you're earning $1,000 a week take-home pay, what happens if you invest 10% of it, so $100, into a non-superannuation investment for 25 years? We've assumed that it earns 7%. Uh, over that 25 year period and we're comparing that against superannuation so what what would it look like if we were to sacrifice into super the equivalent of that take home $100 that you're currently getting yeah, so you, you wouldn't actually be contributing $100 into super would you You'd be contributing more you would be contributing yeah. more because of it being a pre-tax yep. deduction so what we're trying to show is you ending up with exactly a thousand dollars, or sorry, nine hundred dollars more specifically, because you're actually either investing a hundred or sacrificing the equivalent of a hundred dollars back in a super. And, and and what is the difference? Well, it's pretty astounding. 
one side of the coin, you've got just saving the money up and putting it into a non-super investment. You end up with a terminal value of $351,000. So that that's... Ter- terminal value, I like that. Yeah, well, terminal, that's yeah. just the end, terminal <laughs> yeah, yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's 25 years, pretty powerful at, at 7%. However, if you were to put that, that equivalent amount into superannuation, so you've actually put technically $150 a week into super, but you've only seen a reduction in your take-home pay of 100, so you're still sitting at that $900. What's the difference by utilizing super? Well, it's $106,000 is the difference. So it's $457,000 after 25 years utilizing superannuation and only losing $100 from your take-home pay versus 351. So massive yeah, massive difference nice, with with no discernible difference on your actual cash flow that's uh, it yeah yeah um and we're talking about someone who's in the um 34 and a half cents yeah. in the dollar tax yeah. rate which is a lot of people now and yeah. uh, if, if you're in higher tax rates then obviously the benefits more the benefits, the benefits are higher, higher. Yeah. um you know and we talked about you know that's a you know, hundred odd thousand dollars difference um over that 25 year period Pros and cons, well, you know, if you're looking to save and accumulate for a specific purpose and access the funds prior to retirement, Makes you, no sense. you may not do it. Yeah, in well, well that, that's yeah, exactly yeah, right. You know, but if you're looking uh, at it as a, a, a source of long-term assets, wealth, long-term yep. wealth for your retirement, um, then you know, superannuation probably does make a bit of yeah. sense. And, the, and, and, t- and just sort of building on that, there's a few other taxation advantages that are afforded to superannuation. So there's concessional tax environment. Um, whilst accumulating, and and that's not the same um, whilst you're working and taking that wage income yourself mm, and yeah. investing it in so your personal So the super home. funds earnings only get taxed at 15 cents in the dollar? Correct. Um, whereas if you were investing in your own name um, outside of super and your tax rate's 34.5 cents, including Medicare levy, then that's where you're taxed yeah, at. Yeah, that's yeah. that you're taxed at. So yeah. effectively, um, yeah, d- Double so, the amount so of the key point about sacrificing yeah. in the super is that you get a tax break and a tax win, um, yeah. and that over the long term results in a, a far better outcome yeah. than investing. Well, in I broke super. I broke it down um, just really generally. Um, every dollar that you take home could be thirty percent more effective in, inside superannuation, uh, up to the caps that you yeah. can put that yeah. in that's on a, a pre-tax a basis. Yeah. So, and yeah, remember. You know that this is general advice, and yeah. you, just, you just mentioned that there are caps as to how much yeah. can be put in There's on a tax concessional basis, and those caps include what your employer puts in for you yep. and your salary sacrifice. So you so need to be careful. Lo- yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it can be a minefield. You need to be very careful. You need to be making a very educated decision in this. But you can see that if you do it right, um, the difference is astounding. Absolutely. So there you go. Salary sacrifice in the super. Sounds very simple. It's actually a little bit complex when you yeah. start to really work into how it yeah, actually works. But sure. um, every investment has and strategy has pros and cons. Um, this one is a very uh, good tax-effective strategy, right for many people. Maybe not right for many people too. Yeah, you know. So. Well, hey, we're on to uh, our Q&A session, and this is yeah. we've actually got three questions this week, which we're very excited about. A bit of yeah. feedback and a uh, few questions. We've got three, so I'm going to let you go first, Luke, and you can... Uh, you can cool, I'll, I'll open it up. So, so this is from Daryl. Daryl's 51. G'day, Daryl. <laughs> How are you, Daryl, out there? Um, 
His question is, should I pay extra off my home loan or put extra into super? I've just received a $200 per week pay rise. So I think that's a really good question, Darren, but I'm going to yeah. pass it over to Steve and he's going to answer it. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll we might answer this together because uh, you know, there are different ways to look at it. But, yeah. um, you know, A, we don't really know whether that's 200 per week before or after um, tax. tax. Don't yeah, really good, know, good but, point. Um, yep. But whatever, let, let's just talk generally about that. So... A, we don't we don't know how how much is owing on the home loan. Uh, we don't know how long until Daryl proposes to retire. So there are lots of things we don't know here. Mm-hmm. So it can only be general advice. And uh, what we're talking about here is things you consider. But Daryl, what would I be considering? I'd be considering the fact that if you were to put that money into super by mm-hmm. a potentially salary sacrificing, yep. as we just spoke about, then potentially you could have get more bang for your buck from yep. that two hundred dollars. Exactly right. Um, so you could, you could build up extra nest egg through the tax effectiveness of salary sacrificing and the super. And, and also the benefit of being able to earn a higher rate of return, potentially, in the superannuation environment yeah. versus your cost of interest on your debt. Yeah, yeah. So very, very potentially. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah well, absolutely, but very potentially, right. but it's... Yeah. And if you did the modelling over, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years or five years, you could you could show that the salary sacrifice would more than likely result in a better, in a better pure net financial outcome. Yeah. net outcome. Yep. Um, but, Daryl, there is more to it than that. Um, how are you going to sleep at night, potentially, if um, at retirement you're still going to have a debt? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know you. Well, I might know you, but I, uh, you, know, you haven't given us your last name. Yeah, so, so we, we, we don't, don't know really you. Know. We don't know you that well. <laughs> um, but, you know, how are you going to... What, what is going to be the strategy that you are going to be comfortable with that isn't going to um, destroy you financially yep. and will enable you to sleep at night and reach the goals that you have? So if one of your goals, if one of your clear... Um, clear goals is that you want your mortgage paid off as quickly as possible mm. then perhaps you take the $200 per week and, and you knock you, it off your home loan. Yeah and, and that's a very very valid point and, and, and everyone is going to have different motivations mm. um, yeah. but I think I think by Daryl asking the question he knows he may know that there's pros and cons to both and, and he probably wants that fleshed out to understand which might be the better mm. better outcome. And I and I guess the uh, and I guess the short answer is better is different for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now it's, uh, it's potentially okay to have debt at retirement at the point that you want to retire if you've accumulated enough other assets, say in superannuation, to be yep. able to pay out that debt and have money left over. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's lots of things to consider um, but Daryl, what I'd say to you is uh, make sure you understand what you really want to achieve um, when your retirement is. Talk to someone about it so that you can get that all fleshed out and clear yeah. and to make your decision from yeah, there. It's a, and it's an important decision and it's a big decision and it needs you know it needs to be discussed with a professional. Yep. Okay, Aaron. Uh, thanks for your question, Aaron. Aaron's 32 years old and, and Aaron says, I'm not sure if my employer is actually paying into my super fund. How do I find out? It's a really good one, Steve. It is. That's a good I'd, question. You actually wrote a blog about yeah, this a few weeks ago. Uh, so you're the... L- last week. Was it? Uh, you're the ideal man to answer, uh, the, to answer the question. Well, I I like this question because, funnily enough, we see a number of employers don't pay super correctly. They don't pay it on time. Um, at all. Or, or they don't pay it at all. Mm. And 
A common misconception in this is if it's on my payslip, it was paid. And that's totally wrong. That That is purely an accounting entry um, by an employer to show that you know a contribution has been considered effectively. Yeah. What's the source of truth and, and how do you actually work out if you're being paid correctly? Well, you, you need to contact your superannuation fund and you need to actually look at your transaction statement. So first port of call for me would be get an online account with whoever I'm with and, and all the providers yeah, have on, uh, online access. To yeah, on, online yeah. access, just like you would with online banking. Um, and all the providers now offer that. And if they didn't, I'd be a little bit concerned. But I can get in there, I can have a look at my transactions, exactly how I'd look at my transaction statement on my day-to-day banking, and I can see my reportable employer contributions. What you may struggle with when you get there is, how do I know if it's right? Well, you may need to dig down a little bit deeper, and this is where contacting the superannuation provider and determining when that contribution was paid and what period it was actually paid for, because... There can be some delay and there can be some confusion when you're looking at these contributions. So if you can ascertain what period that a certain contribution applies to and work out what you were paid in terms of gross salary and apply that against your contribution, being at 9.5% of that salary for that period, you're going to work out very quickly if you were paid correctly or not. Yeah. And generally speaking, an employer is required to pay quarterly. It's quarterly. Yeah. So they deduct from your pay on your pay cycle. Uh, but they're allowed to keep that money until they're required to actually remit it yeah. um, to the super fund. Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, most employees should be able to look at their transactions and see once a quarter or four times a year that there has been a contribution yes. made by their employer to their super fund. Yeah. Um, so it, it should it should, should match up, should but sometimes up. it doesn't. And yeah. if it doesn't, it, it, it'll often mean contacting the super fund and, and asking them what a certain contribution at a certain date and what period that applies for in terms of your pay cycle, uh, your quarterly pay cycle, assuming it's quarterly. Yeah. Um, so, the, the, yeah, Aaron, the, the summary or the answer to that question is um, you find out by checking with your super fund yeah. and ensuring that the transactions have been made and have been received into your account. Yeah. And if they haven't been, there are remedies to that. You can report it, but first thing you'd go to an employer and ask why. Yeah. Um, and then there are various other remedies. But... Um, reasonably simple but you do need to take a bit of notice of it because you yeah. don't want to go three years down the track and find that there have been no superannuation contributions yeah. made for you at all and i have seen that yeah and um and then have to backtrack yeah and, and but it, but it's also good to understand that just because it's on the pay slip doesn't necessarily mean it's being paid mm. yep absolutely mm. okay one more question i think who have we got uh yeah we've got simon simon's 27 and it's an interesting one from Simon considering his age but good on him for for looking at into this how do I actually make extra payments to my super fund good question yeah hmm. it's a really good question it is a good question well there are a few different ways with my superannuation yep. funds and uh, superannuation funds do tend to be, to make it quite easy these days mm-hmm. with the various forms of um, banking transactions that are available and it, a lot of it, sorry, some of it depends on the type of contribution too. Yep. Um, but if you're looking to make a personal after-tax contribution, then generally speaking, your superannuation fund will enable you to be pay or direct credit yep. um, a payment or even send it's a check. Easy, in. Yeah, I haven't that. seen a check for a long time, but <laughs> but generally speaking, uh, EFT, um, BPAY or check um, will be accepted um, yep. as, a, as a means of making a contribution. So that's for you know, personal contributions. 
Um, what about employer contributions and uh, and salary sacrifice? Um, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, though, yep. is that that now needs to be done through the employer and the um, super portal yep, um, cor- that correct. is available. So yep. um, with a lot of funds now, you can't actually make a tax-deductible contribution. Sorry, you can't make an employer contribution unless it's done through that portal. Do it done through your employer. employer. Yep. Um, You can make a personal contribution on which you elect to claim a tax deduction at tax time um, via those other means that we've spoken about. Um, So so ultimately, it's a bit easier than people probably realise. It's either set it up through your employer if you want to make it a regular thing or you want to do some contributions utilizing that that channel so your employer is there to help or their payroll system and and superannuation portal should be able to accommodate that or or you can personally make contributions using the account details that that is going to be available by probably registering registering as an online account yep yeah yeah yep, yep, online access. or even yep. contacting the super fund but yep. g- given g- given you know it's 2020 standing here on the 11th of february yep. 2020 um you use use these resources that are available yeah, to yeah, you, being you go online. to the website they'll, they'll yep. clearly show it listen super funds want your contribution so yep. it's not in their interest to make it hard no no they're going to make so it easy they'll yep. make it they'll make it easy you, you know last port of call i guess or, or whatever even the first is you ring the super fund and say hey i want to make a contribution yep. how do i do it and uh, and they'll point in the right direction yeah well, I think that wraps us up for today um, with our mission today to be a little bit uh, less uh, time consuming than, than last one. Yes. Um, so uh, thank you to, the, to all those people who sent in questions. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, thanks, Luke, for your time again. No, thank you, Stoke. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Men very shortly. Yeah. See, See you, you guys. Bye.